This is AgriPulse Daybreak for Wednesday, January 10th. Good morning. I'm Jeff Dowling. Here's today's headlines. Midwest influence grows on Senate Ag. Biofuel extenders wait for budget deal. And USDA tightening egg product regs. The Senate Agriculture Committee has two new members and a stronger Midwestern flavor, just in time for writing a new farm bill. The two new additions, Deb Fisher, Republican of Nebraska, and Tina Smith, a Democrat of Minnesota, also will bring the number of women on the committee to seven, or one-third of its membership. Fisher will fill the seat vacated by Luther Strange of Alabama, who was appointed to the Senate last year, but subsequently defeated in a GOP primary. Smith was appointed to replace Al Franken, who resigned amid allegations of sexual harassment. She also replaces Maryland Democrat Chris Van Hollen, who's leaving the committee. Minnesota and Iowa will now both have two seats on the committee. Smith is running for election to the seat in November, and she clearly has her eye on rural voters. Nebraska has been without a seat on the panel since Ben Sass left a year ago. Fisher told AgriPulse, Nebraska has been on the Ag Committee for 50 years since Carl Curtis in 69. This is an important year to get back on with the Farm Bill. Fisher says her top priority will be protecting crop insurance from cuts. Fisher will retain her seat on the Senate Environment and Public Works Committee, which oversees the EPA and has jurisdiction over Renewable Fuel Standard and the Clean Water Act and Clean Air Act. The bottom line is that the new committee members will sharpen the regional divide between the House and the Senate Agriculture Committees. A majority of the Senate committee membership, 12 senators in all, will represent Midwest or Plains states. The House panel has a stronger Southern representation, especially on the GOP side. AFBF tweaks Farm Bill policies. American Farm Bureau Federation delegates worked their way through 356 pages of resolutions and recommendations yesterday with only a few bursts of Farm Bill debate. AFBF President Zippy Duvall, after the session closed, said they gave us flexibility in getting ready to write this farm bill. They tweaked some areas in cotton, the agriculture risk coverage, and offered some flexible thoughts around the dairy program so we can help the House and Senate Ag Committees write a farm bill for the future. On dairy policy, members voted for something that would protect against milk price volatility or an improved income over feed cost margin program. That, according to AFBF economist John Newton, including giving farmers an option to select either a program to provide protection against a decline in milk prices or a decline in milk margin. But they also wanted several improvements in the margin protection program. For example, delegates voted to increase Tier 1 coverage from 4 to 5 million pounds for all dairy producers and increases the catastrophic margin coverage level from 4 to $5 while maintaining the ability to buy up to $8 margin coverage. In addition, AFBF delegates want access to an expanded Federal Crop Insurance Corporation product whether it's fully utilizing livestock gross margin for dairy or dairy revenue protection insurance that we've been working on, according to Newton. He said they recognize that field crops can get crop insurance and access to ARC or PLC. He said they wanted dairy farmers to have that same flexibility to buy a crop insurance-style product and still fully utilize Title I. 
For more information on the AFBF meeting and resolutions, plus key congressional actions and trade policy, be sure to read the AgriPulse newsletter hitting your inboxes later this morning. Co-ops defend new tax provision. The National Council of Farmer Cooperatives is defending the provisions of the new tax bill to replace a domestic production tax break that the law repealed. Grain companies are complaining that the bill's new 20% income deduction will make it more profitable for farmers to sell commodities to cooperatives. Some tax experts warned before the bill passed that the way it was being written could provide an advantage to co-ops. In a statement, NCFC President Chuck Connor says that without the provision repeal in the old Section 199 deduction would have resulted in a tax increase on farmers across the country. Connor also cautioned against changing the bill. He said, looking forward, we believe that Congress should avoid any action that was raised taxes on farmers, especially at a time of continued low commodity prices. Optimism on expired biofuel tax breaks. Congressional leaders still appear to be a long way from budget agreement, but a member of the Senate GOP leadership says that Congress will include extensions of 34 expired tax credits. Those provisions include the dollar-a-gallon tax credit for biodiesel, as well as other incentives for ethanol pumps and second-generation biofuels. South Dakota Senator John Thune, the GOP conference chairman, said, There's enough interest on both sides that we'll handle that. The question is not if, it's when. USDA rule requires egg processors to have hazard protections. All facilities that process egg products are going to be required to develop hazard control plans and sanitation operating procedures similar to what meat and poultry plants have long been subject to. A proposed rule released by the USDA's Food Safety and Inspection Service will require that egg products be safe to eat without any additional preparation. The agency also is proposing to alter the definition of continuous inspection, the legal requirement for agency oversight. Under the rule, FSIS inspections would no longer be conducted during all processing operations, but could instead be carried out once per shift. FSIS also is taking over jurisdiction of egg substitutes, which the agency says pose the same risk as egg products and will be regulated in the same level of scrutiny. Egg substitutes, which are made with egg whites and ingredients that replace the yolk, are currently under the purview of the FDA. Some 93% of egg processors already have hazard control plans, that according to FSIS. Tony Corbo, a senior lobbyist for the consumer advocacy group Food and Water Watch, expressed concern the agency is using the rule to change the definition of continuous inspection. Trump policy could squeeze El Salvador's buying power. The Trump administration's decision to end the temporary protected status designation for Salvadorian migrants could diminish the Central American country's ability to import food from the U.S., El Salvador is importing record amounts of processed vegetables, non-alcoholic beverages, condiments, sauces, and dog and cat food, according to the USDA's Foreign Agriculture Service. The country imported a record $169.5 million worth of U.S. food products in 2016, but those purchases are largely fueled by money sent back home from Salvadorians living in the U.S., CNN reports that 250,000 people could be affected by the Trump decision. Here's today's She Said It.
Welcome to the Senate Ag Committee at Senate Tina Smith. With the 2018 hashtag Farm Bill around the corner, it's an exciting time to be a part of the at Senate Ag Dems. That Senator Debbie Stabenow, the ranking member of the Senate Agriculture Committee, on her Twitter feed. Well, that's Daybreak for this Wednesday, January 10th. AgriPulse Daybreak is brought to you by Watkinson Miller and Dairy Management Incorporated. For the latest news out of Washington, D.C., visit AgriPulse.com. For AgriPulse Daybreak, I'm Jeff Dowling.